Hey, what's going on, everybody? So recently, we were able to record a podcast with myself, my dear Emily Harpole, and our good friend, Emily, or Caroline Rose Owens, excuse me. So Caroline and Emily joined me for this Q&A episode where we really dive into just questions that people send us. We talk about a lot of different topics. It was really good to release this one during Pride Month since that was a, a hot topic for a lot of people. We recorded on the first day of the month, so it was fresh on everybody's mind. But we talk about a wide range of things and really, I think, help to understand how we can better evangelize others and live out our faith boldly in our workplace and with our family and friends as well. So be sure to check this episode out, subscribe, share it with others. And if you would, take a second, leave us a review if you enjoy the podcast. It is greatly, greatly appreciated. God bless. You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom. To go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You are not made to make excuses. It's time for you to take extreme ownership for your life, for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. and never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. What is going on, everybody? This is your boy, Nathan Cranefield. Excited to have with me today two of my favorite ladies, Emily Harpole and Caroline Rose Owens, also known as Crow, to those who love her the most. Caroline, I once asked Emily if you could be a groomsman at our wedding, but unfortunately she's not progressive enough, so that's not going to happen, but it's still nonetheless a blessing to have you with us today. How's it going? It's great to see you. I don't even know if I can answer because I'm laughing so hard over here. Wow, what a true honor that would be, but right? just Photoshop me into the photos. That's the plan. I'll send well, you a photo. You'll still be Okay, there. yeah, I'll stand to the side. Yeah, that works, that works. uh no, but like the, I am doing the groomsman. Uh, what is it that like helps get us ready? Like, well, the bridal you know I mean? attendant. Yeah, like, exactly. Like kind of like a servant. You can be like our servant. <sighs> no. I think is the word I'd like to use. Okay, <laughs> sign me up. Call Perfect. me servant. <laughs> I love that. Uh, no, but it is so good to finally make it on the podcast. It's finally. been a long time coming. I've been begging Nathan. I think every Monday I send him a reminder. Just At kidding. least. Um, but it is an honor. I love Seeking 365. You guys are doing excellent things and how fun to be able to be on with Emily as well. So excited to be able to chat together. Yeah, this is a fun crew. I'm excited to get into some of these questions that we got for today. But um yeah it, it has been a long time and i know we've done a lot of stuff going back to holy happy hour you're on holy happy hour before emily was yeah and then you did the dating panels with us and stuff so we, we've been we, through it definitely not your first day with seeking excellence but no. it is first time on the podcast so we're excited to have you here but uh we want to first give you an opportunity just to share a little bit about yourself talk about how much you admire me whatever it is you know it's whatever's on your heart i just want you to be able to share a little bit about who you are <laughs> 
Um, yeah. Who am I without my love for Nathan and Emily? Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Such a pivotal part of your first life. First and foremost, made in the image of God and made to love Nathan and Emily. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yes, my name is Caroline. Um, I am 23 years old. I'm from Indiana. So I do love Indiana, but I have ventured away for the time being and now live in Washington, DC. Um, and loving it. It's been an interesting time to move to the city of the good old people of Washington, D.C. Oh, yeah. Um, but yes, I moved out here to work in marketing. So I work for um, an agency, a marketing agency called Ringlet, which we work with women entrepreneurs, kind of help them with their marketing, which is awesome. I have a wonderful team of female leaders that I also get to work alongside. And then on the side, um, you know, trying to restart again, I have a podcast, the She Believe podcast, which both Nathan and Emily have been on, I would say is the credit to their love for me, you know, Amen. first <laughs> time that you really got to hear Emily. Yeah, um, true. But yes, I love, I love serving women. I love the church. I grew up Catholic. It's something that I've been really passionate about of giving young women, especially high school and college age an example of what it looks like to live out your faith in the world, in the workplace, in friendships, what that looks like in college. Um, so just trying to figure out what that looks like now as a young adult in the world and bringing people into that journey as well. Love to hear it. See, that was great. That was amazing. She, like she wasn't ready yeah. before this, but you were definitely Always prepared. I, that's what I'm talking about. That's why you're here. That's why we're here, Crow. So we got, uh, yeah, the artist formerly known as the College Catholic, now Caroline Rose Owens, owning the name which I love, inspired my dear fiance to also change her name. An hour ago. Two years later. Yeah. One hour ago. About an hour ago. This recording, yeah, <laughs> which is awesome. And so, no, love to hear it. Uh, love that you're in D.C. Excited to see you in a week, which will yeah. be a lot of fun. We'll get to see her soon. We actually spent my 27th birthday together in Indiana, which is the Eating most random. Eating pizza and playing basketball. An awesome fact of my life. Yeah. <laughs> a delightful day, uh, which is a lot of fun. But we're going to go into some Q&A today which I'm excited to do. We've never done this before. never done a Q&A episode. And so it was really fun kind of collecting these questions. And since it's June 1st, which in the secular world kicks off Pride Month, we're going to kick off with some questions that are about that. So the first, questions, the first question is, what are some ways to love others who celebrate Pride Month? Mm-hmm. So I think to answer that, somebody needs to give a little bit of a foundation of like church teaching on same-sex attraction. Oh, gosh. Okay. Former culture project missionary would be great for that. <laughs> Seriously, I think so too. Who's got a catechism near them? <laughs> no, she is the catechism, basically. <laughs> I had a feeling you're gonna do that to me. There. Um, yeah, I'm trying to bring myself back to some of my training on just like, especially loving people. When I was in the culture project, we were, we went through a lot of training on loving students that would come to us with this, and yeah. um, something I talk about a lot is I was I was kind of shocked, but not shocked um, by every sexual integrity integrity talk we gave or every chastity talk we gave somebody like a middle schooler or high schooler would always always bring up the question about um same-sex attraction and and different things like that and so yes the church teaches right that that um you know it's against church teaching to act on things like same-sex attraction um but it's not like inherently sinful I guess to be to like have those maybe attractions or different things like that I would say would, would you say that's he's like yeah, looking at me. I'm looking at you. okay okay <laughs> I was like I'm doing sure I'm right <laughs> right but so um a thousand percent <laughs> the way that we would talk about it a lot in the classroom or the way I would respond to kids would be like um 
if somebody experiences those things, it's a beautiful call to living a life of chastity. And it's a beautiful call to really um, guarding your heart and guarding your attractions and, and ordering them in the correct way and ordering them in the way um, of the Lord and of the church and different things like that. Um, so I guess that would maybe be a baseline. Uh, but when we were, we were trained in a lot of the stuff from Father Phil Bochansky, mm-hmm. who runs Courage International, which is a kind of Catholic group for those who experience same-sex attraction. And his big thing, that was something that I always went back to was um, just loving them first. And so that would probably be how I would answer this question as well, is showing love to um, anybody who comes to you in that regard as well. Because, you know, there's so much confusion these days and there's so many different reasons why people support different things or different experiences that people are having. It's important to love them first and then ask them questions and get them thinking and talking about what they experience and talking about what they think is yeah, or why they support certain things, I guess. Um, Because a lot of times I don't think many people, especially nowadays, walk through those things. They just kind of maybe jump on something because everybody else is involved in it, or maybe they've had, they know somebody who's had a negative experience with the church in this or different things like that, you know, rather than kind of like rationally working and working through um, kind of their thoughts or, you know, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Um, I guess I'll just give an example, which we probably have some more questions on this, but you know, there was a girl who came to me who was in a, a same-sex um, relationship and she was in high school and she came to me and asked me after one of my chastity docs, you know, she wanted to live it out. Um, she wanted to live out chastity, but she wasn't sure how to live it out in this relationship specifically because her um, significant other, uh, well, she, her significant other was like transgender and there's all this different stuff going on. And and I was it was like my first chastity talk I ever gave. And I was freaking out. And I remember I was like, what do I say? And I just went back to kind of that, that mindset of just ask her more questions, you know, and just talk to her more and and really show her that you care about her. And in asking her more questions, we started to talk about how, like, even in that relationship, even in like a, you know, a male female relationship, sometimes like the true love that you're deserving of is impossible. Right. And so that's why I like kind of started talking to her about that. And like in relationships, when that love, when somebody's not giving you the love you deserve, um, it's good to kind of get out of those relationships. And she ended up agreeing with that, which was really cool, you know? And so it was kind yeah. of like we were able to agree on something like that um, and just hope that you plant the seeds for, for, you know, for the discovery for the Lord to work, I guess, in that way. So sure. I don't know if that was like a rambling of different things, but as Nathan wanted us to not be prepared and just come up with whatever the Holy Spirit <laughs> told us to answer these questions with. That's kind of was my experience with that of, of loving people first, asking questions, staying strong in your beliefs and staying strong and, and, and also studying these things and learning about them. So you know what to say when people question right. why you believe what you believe, um, I think would be an important thing, especially sure. more and more nowadays because everybody asks about it nowadays. But, Very common. Yeah. Well, what are your thoughts? Yeah that end point that you were saying about just educating ourselves when I growing up a cradle Catholic just didn't have a lot of interactions with people with same-sex attraction or Mm -hmm. transgenderism etc and in high school one of my close friends from youth group actually um, the summer after we went away to college came back and kind of sat me and my friend down and told us that he was gay and it was just this huge shock um of just kind of like what had happened. This guy was really involved in youth group. He was great, frequent the sacraments. And then he goes off to college for a year and comes back. Um, And it was really hard because this is like someone that you love and you know the church is teaching on it. Um, 
at least to the extent, you know, that like, I feel like we all do. And then how do you respond to someone that like you have a, a relationship with not even just like a random stranger asking you mm-hmm. questions. So like you were saying, Emily, I think just responding in love and just reminding them that like you still love them. And even though like you don't support their lifestyle, like just continuing to show that you care by asking questions and kind of just getting to, I think the, the root of what brought them there. Um, while you were talking, Emily, I did take it upon to pull up the catechism. Amazing. Crushed it. And <laughs> something that it says is when it talks about same-sex attraction at the end, it says, these persons are called to fulfill God's mission in their lives. And if they are Christians to unite to the sacrifice of the Lord's cross, the difficulties they may encounter from their condition, mm-hmm. which even for myself, I think is a really good reminder because I don't know if this is like going to sound bad for me to say this, but I think sometimes when I encounter, especially Christians with same-sex attraction, like it, it just seems so distant. And I'm like, they probably don't want a relationship with God if they want to pursue this lifestyle, et cetera. When in reality, like they have the same call that we do to yeah. take up our cross. It just looks different than what our right. crosses may yeah. be. Um, and how that we can still invite them in. And I think that's the key of like the people in our lives, just because they struggle with that and same sex attraction is their cross doesn't mean that they're a lost cause. Same thing with like non-denominational Christians or people who don't believe in God at all. Like no one is ever too far gone. And just right. because this is something that they struggle with, doesn't mean that God doesn't want them to live a beautiful, faithful life yeah. as well. Yeah. And that's why we would always teach it in the context, ta- context of chastity too. And that like, this is something if you really like learn about chastity, you can live it out even no matter who you're attracted to or anything like that. Right. Yeah. I think there's, there's many common mistakes that people make and that's one of them. I think it's just assuming that people who experience any of those things, right. In the LGBT, LGBT community, like that they automatically don't want anything to do with God. And it's like, we all want that. Like mm-hmm. we're all wired to want that. And mm-hmm. everybody's trying to fill every time we seek after sin, right. We're trying to fill a hole that only God can fill in our lives. And so I think that's really important. And then the other thing I think that is really important too is, is just constantly rem- remembering that there's a truth and love aspect to this, mm-hmm. right? And it doesn't mean that you have to lead the way with fire and brimstone, right? Mm-hmm. But you also can't accompany people to hell. And that's yeah. the other extreme people go through, right? Is mm-hmm. like you have people who just yell at them and be like, you're sinful and like, right, like you're going to hell. And then the other extreme is to just never bring up the fact that hell exists and that, you know, acting on same-sex uh, attraction, um, and same-sex sexual relations is inherently sinful, right? And mm-hmm. so you have to balance those two, right? And get to know people and, and start by asking questions. And mm-hmm. it's really amazing how much people can really kind of discover and come to on their own right. when you ask them questions. But at some point, I love in Made for Love by Father Mike Schmitz, he talks about how you have to come to this point of like, what now? You know, he talks about somebody coming out to him and how at some point you have to ask them, okay, so what are you going to do about it? You know, because I think to a certain extent, we can kind of what you were talking about too, even with your friend is like, we can kind of overreact. And I think part of why we overreact is that we don't often get transparent and like share our sins with other people mm. or our desire for sins with other people. Right. So like if I had a, and this is, this is pretty, you know, I'm not trying to be vulgar or anything, but like if I had a homeboy that comes to me and he's like, man, you know, he's married or whatever, and he's single. And he's like, I'm really tempted to like look at pornography, right. Or to masturbate or a married guy come to me and is like, I'm really tempted to like, uh, like really attracted to this woman that I work with or whatever mm-hmm. it is, right? Like you wouldn't automatically, the way that we respond to that and the way that we respond to somebody saying I have same-sex attraction is utterly different mm-hmm. when it yeah. shouldn't be, right? And we all have these temptations and these desires to sin at times, especially in the realm of chastity, right? Right. Like, exactly. I mean, 
any guy is going to have like times where they, you know, can't help, especially, I mean, we're on all, all working out and trying to get more holy and trying to like fight against that. You know what I mean? Those of us who are trying to get closer to God, but any one of my male friends, no matter what stage in life they're at or whatever is going to have some, and, and it happens a lot for women too. It's not only men. Yeah. I think it's a little bit stronger in men more common, but for both men and women, we're all going to struggle with some type of either emotional, sexual, whatever it is, chastity. Right. And so I think if we all got better at just like having accountability partners and like good brothers and sisters in Christ, and we were transparent and honest about who we are with other people, we wouldn't be so burdened and overwhelmed when somebody shares what they're struggling right. with, That's true. but we don't often vocalize ours. And so we want all of our friends to think we're perfect living these great lives oftentimes. And then somebody comes to us and they're like, this is what I'm struggling with. And you're just like, Whoa, what? You know what I mean? But if you gave your confession to them too, they'd probably be like, Holy crap. Are you serious? You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. can't believe that. So so yeah, so I think it's interesting, but I think the ways to love them is understanding that love is both sharing the truth and mm-hmm. being compassionate, right? Yeah. So it's not loving to tell somebody that what they're doing is right. And we have to be really careful with that. And it's something that I've been weak in in my life at certain times with friends who are living sinful lives intentionally um, to not call that out at some point is, is not loving, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. I, I mean, I just always think of that. I, I read that a lot. Ralph Martin talks about that a lot of like, you can't accompany people to hell. Yeah, That's not accompaniment, right? Like at some point you have to actually challenge them. Jesus called sinners, but he, cha- he made them change to follow him. He didn't say, right. keep, sin- keep doing everything you're doing. You know what I mean? Like stay a prostitute and come follow me right. and prostitute on the road with me. Like that wasn't, that wasn't the move. That's not <laughs> how it worked. So there has to be a call to repentance. You know, I always tell people repent and believe like that mm-hmm. was the the most basic form of the gospel, right? Is repent and believe. Mm-hmm. And we always want to just talk about the belief part as if like repentance doesn't matter, you know? Yeah. I think what you're talking about is especially if you are like in deeper relationships with these people too. Yeah. And um, calling them on to that too. And like, if you're not, or you just are, because when I first read the question, I was more thinking since I don't have too many people in my life that I, that would probably fall into the, under this category. Um, I was kind of thinking more people I I walk, walk, like see across the street or something like that, you know, that like have a flag or anything like that. I'm just being like, how can I like love them in this moment? And then ask questions when possible, you know? Right. And then, yeah. And not have this like immediate judging and distancing on yourself, you know? Yeah. Because a lot of times within the church, you can almost have like a fear. Like there is like a legit homophobia that exists Mm -hmm. within the Catholic church for sure among certain people. It exists in the world, but Mm -hmm. I think in the church, it's not just... Like we often get accused of homophobia by just calling out, like a lot of times we get falsely accused of homophobia for like just calling out the fact that it's a sin. But there are like a certain group of people who are like legitimately like would distance themselves and like not want to sit next to somebody or like are, you know, wrongly disgusted at people who just experience same sex attraction. It's Mm -hmm. like, that's not it either. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's just absolutely not the answer to start treating people differently because they experience this. So it's important, but uh, number 13, can someone with, uh, let's go to this question. Can someone in a same-sex civil union enter the church if they desire full communion? If they're in a civil union, they're acting on it. So I'd say no. Right. Now, my question with this is I think that it depends on the timing. So I think if you're technically oh. in a legal same-sex civil union and you like separate from that person, yeah, go to confession, right? And you're like, mm-hmm. you repent of living that lifestyle and you're still technically in a same-sex civil union. I think that you could enter the church because that okay. doesn't actually mean anything in That's the church nuance, world, yeah. right? You have yeah, to just Yeah, they probably yeah, would repent. like encourage you to get like a Now if you're actively living in the same sex yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean anybody would. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think if you're actively living in it, what you said is yeah. 100% right. Right. So I don't know where the question exactly where that lies, but I think that that's the the main thing is that you can't, you, you like, I think the wording of that question is really important too, because it says desire full communion. The only way to be in full communion with the church is to accept church teaching. Right. 
and church teaching of homosexuality is very clear. And so you can't actively be in a same-sex civil union and be in full community. It's like, that's an oxymoron, right? Like, does it doesn't work. So um, I think you have to repent first. Anything else you want to add to that, Crow? I think you're you're right on. What are you guys' thoughts? The heavy ones. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Coming in hot. What are your thoughts on attending like a gay wedding or something like that? Mm. Oftentimes, the question <laughs> that gets posed to us by secular people, if you've ever experienced this, um, I've had this happen to me all the time. Like, what if your son or daughter was gay? Mm-hmm. Then what? Then would you go to the wedding? I wouldn't go to the wedding. And why not? I wouldn't either. Well, this is this is from your podcast with what's her name? Kim. Kim. Yeah. Kim Zember. Kim Zember, because she was talking about how like attending is like celebrating it, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, that would be just yeah, celebrating it. You, we can't celebrate something that is sinful, right? Right. In the same way where you're like not really supposed to go to someone's wedding who mm. is Catholic and getting married outside of the church. Yep. Right. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that's like a super slept on one because that happens all yeah. the time. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that one is unbelievably underestimated, I feel like. Yeah. There was a few years back that a family friend, there was like a whole family um, they all decided that they were just going to be really bold and tell people that they weren't even going to come if if they were getting married outside of the church and yeah. stuff. And I remember, yeah, you almost have to make it a rule ahead of time. Yeah, it just makes it yeah. easier. You know what I mean? They so just started telling that. everybody they were like, if you decide to get married outside of the church, we're not going to come to your wedding. Yeah, which I think is amazing. Yeah, yeah, be bold about that. But it's yeah. really good. Which, like, going back to the situation of like, if that was your son or daughter, like, mm-hmm. I would hope that you were having those conversations and right. making it clear why you weren't coming but still like showing your love and Mm -hmm. I don't want to say support because that's not like the right but like explaining to them why so they understand and they have the free will to choose against that but you would hope like leading up to that if you have somewhat of relationship that they would respect your authority as a parent or relationship in some sense and understand why and I think that's a big thing too and you hear I mean I don't know too many of the circumstances when you hear about people who like you always hear these stories in the media or something about um, somebody who's kicked out of their family for having these attractions or different things. Right. And I kind of question, I wonder how many of the parents or family members actually explained things rather than just reacting to it. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. Um, and who knows, you know, there's like, there's a lot of different things that can go into that. But I think, again, that's why we should educate ourselves and know the reasoning behind it or know like, yeah, ways to explain it yeah. to other people. Because there's a sense? lot of unformed Catholics who just say, so, oh, not coming oh, it's bad. And just yeah. unsupportive and they don't yeah. actually mm-hmm. know how to explain it. They just know that it's wrong. Yeah. Which is, I mean, better than going. Right. Right. It's right. better than being unformed and like participating in the sin. Yeah. But at the same time, it definitely burns some bridges that don't necessarily need to be burned as bad yeah. as you're or burning you can, them. Or you can minister to that person too. Right. If you I wrote about this too in, uh, I wrote a, a blog series called um, real love and hard truth or something like that and it was on like the vatican's last statement on same-sex attraction and one of the, this is this question is always so interesting to me because i always say that or i said in this in this blog i'm like it was really interesting to me as i was reflecting on this much more deeply in that like people with this, the lgbt community oftentimes doesn't want to be treated special right like they're like you shouldn't treat us any different and then like there's times like that like that question where they do expect special treatment right and it's just like okay well if my son was, you know, married and wanted to like me to go out to dinner with his mistress, would I do it? You know what I mean? Like, 
if my son was addicted to pornography and he needed money for his porn subscription, would I give it to him? You know what I mean? Like think of these other sins that we often list in, in regards to chastity, right? If my son was living with his girlfriend before they were married, would I pay for their rent? You know what I mean? Or would I go over to their house often mm -hmm. and like act like it's normal and okay? No, I wouldn't do any of those things. Right. And so it's not an exceptionalism to same sex attraction, but let's also not make it act like they have to be this unique one, right? Like if you're not going to be yeah. special, then you're not going to be special. And so I think that it should be treated like everything else in that same category, which is often, if, even if you listen to people like Father James Martin, that's a lot of times what he advocates for in his less radical tirades, right? He says about like, we, we, and I think I agree with this to a certain extent when he talks about certain priests or um, even lay people who just like constantly drill on that topic, right? And I think that there was a time where that happened a lot, especially as like gay marriage is being passed in the United States um, on a federal level. But I think that uh, there's kind of this desire, you know what I mean? And I, I see it in the black community too. There's so many uh, parallels, I think, between the, the LGBT community, Black Lives Matter, feminism, right? Like there's this, like, there's this desire to be like, we're all the same, but we should be treated special, right? <laughs> it's really, really wild. But I mean, it's very human nature. It's yeah. like a toddler wants that, right? To be like, I want to be treated like everybody else. Like I want to be treated like a grown up until I have to do grown up stuff, <laughs> you know, until I have to clean up like everybody else. And then I'm going to be a kid again. And it's like, come on dog that, that's not how it works so i think this rolls into a, a well to another one of just like living out your faith without being judgmental even when you don't agree with people's actions so there's some other examples of this that aren't just same-sex attraction obviously but if you have friends who are living together if you have friends who don't go to mass that's a very common one right like people you know who are catholic that don't go to mass how do you guys kind of balance that whether that's like being friends with people i'm sure you've met a lot of people in dc who are either falling away catholics or whatever but um, don't go to mass or living in some type of way. You might have family members or friends, but Crow, what would you say for you? Like, how do you kind of go about being bold in your faith and living that out without trying to like come across as judgmental towards people? Yeah, it's, I think sometimes a hard balance depending on who you're trying to minister to. Mm -hmm. It is no joke. I feel like so many people I meet in DC or even in college really um, especially coming from the Midwest of when I would say like I was going to mass or Bible study or said I was Catholic, people would be like, oh yeah, I'm Catholic too. And like my mouth would like kind of drop. Right. Like, You're like, what? wait, what? <laughs> like, you know what that means? Don't tell people that because <laughs> right, legit. That, oh, I don't man. want that associated with me. That's so real. Um, but like how many people are so readily like willing to claim Catholicism, but then sometimes it's like the people that actually practice it that are like, oh gosh, like, I don't want people to know I'm Catholic because they're going to mm -hmm. judge me. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think the approach that I take, and even from, I think just a young age in middle school, high school, college, of just so much by like leading by example and the actions that I'm doing and inviting people in that way. Yeah. Um, so what that looks like in my life now is it's a little bit different because I really try to surround myself, especially in a new place with good, strong Catholics, because I know that I need that at my foundation before I kind of start to branch out. Um, I know it's important to have accountability partners in my life and people that are going to kind of stabilize me through transition. But if just like out and about, I think telling people like about mass, like when they ask what you did this weekend, I feel like I always give that piece of advice of just sharing that that's like the most important thing you did that weekend. So why are you not telling people about it? Um, and then inviting people into just like daily activities that you're doing. So in the gospel, when it talks about, I don't know what the verse is, but essentially of like- Well, you're a Catholic, so I wouldn't expect you to know <laughs> the verse. 
like you're willing to share not only the gospel but your very selves very focused bible verse anyone know that one mm. we're not focused okay at least we're all in it together we don't know <laughs> it <laughs> um but that always struck me because it's yeah. not that we're just like supposed to go out there and like tell people to like repent and believe in the gospel and like tell them that catholicism is like the only way um but we're we're supposed to share our very lives with them so even here in dc i've gone to like non-denominational events and like made great friends there um and then just been began to share my perspective on things and to be able to be a voice and even it's interesting when other people start to talk about catholicism that don't know how it's like being there allows you to speak up and kind of like be that sense of truth when other people just aren't educated. Right. Not always easier said than done. <laughs> it's hard to be the one to like speak up on behalf of Catholicism and that fear of like, I don't know everything, but that idea of like letting people see Christ through you um, instead of being intimidated by like the doctrine and just knowing all the rules and being able to recite it to people, but just being willing to go being back to and, look and research everything. <laughs> exactly. Like people are going to show you just up non-denominal, non-denominal, not, uh, not, I'm just saying non-dom Christians just, <laughs> just like, just spit out the Bible verses. And it, it's yeah. really intimidating. I'm like, yeah. Oh my gosh, they're going to think I don't know Jesus. Right. Um, but then also like the people that say like, oh, wow, like you're the first Catholic I met that actually has a relationship with Jesus of like how sad that that is, that yeah, that's people's experience with Catholics of, I, I know all of us are so passionate about like changing that and Amen. yeah, like the cultural Catholicism and bringing it to something that's alive and beautiful and attractive, especially to young people. Absolutely. That goes really off the question, I think. Yeah, that no, was that was awesome. great. That was really great. It took us on a journey, but you did bring us home, so I, okay. A lot of what you said, it was exactly what I would say with a lot of this is living your life. So living, especially your living out the virtues or living out these different things that are within the faith in a bold way, in like an unashamed way. So that mm. it's like, not like they're, you're trying to hide it from them or you're like awkward about talking about it around them, but you're kind of like, just like bold and unashamed of this is the way I live my life. And, um, there's two, two kind of, I guess, scenarios that I, that came to mind. One was when I was living in Washington, DC, my roommate, one of my best friends from, um, Benedictine was living with me, but we were with these four other girls who were from, you know, very different backgrounds, very secular school, all this different stuff. And I woke up every day to go early to get on the Metro and go to daily mass. And they started to like notice. Right. And sometimes my friend and I would talk about our faith or we would talk about different things. Like we would get into conversations about saving sex for marriage and, and we would just be like, yeah, that's just how we're living our life. Kind of, you know, not in a way of like, right. you should be doing this, but it was like, this is how we're living our life. And they start to like change, like notice that there's something different about the way you're living your life. And I remember like two months into us all living together in DC, this one girl, she was really upset one day and she asked us where the church was that we'd been going to like near our apartment. Oh, wow. So she went to the church and she comes back and she just starts like unloading all this stuff. And she had, we didn't know this, but she had grown up Catholic was like really involved in being an altar server when she was, um, when she was growing up and the nun that she was really close to at her school had passed away that day. And there Dang. was something about like that whole experience of her passing away that brought up all these different experiences. And she was like talking about how much she loved being an altar server and all this different stuff. And like, she was not living that lifestyle, but it was like really cool how we were there and we were living with her. And because we had just been bold about, oh yeah, we're leaving for mass today or we're, you know, this is, we're Catholic or whatever, you know? 
um, that in that moment of her kind of like grieving that she was able to kind of turn to us and, and kind of go back to those roots of her own experiences being Catholic, you know, and, and remembering the joy that it brought her and different things. So I thought that was something that was interesting that just came to mind in that way. But yeah, we were really bold that whole summer of this is how we live our life. And the second way has been recently, I've noticed this, Nathan, and I need to talk about this more, like, like dissect this, but us moving to Denver and not living together and like this whole weekend experience of moving into two separate places has like brought so many, like the amount of conversations I've had with like my hairstylist and the movers yesterday, like all these different people who are like, oh, you're moving to Denver, you're engaged and you're not living together until March, you know? Mm-hmm. And we've just been like, yeah, I'm living, you know, with some girls in this one part of town. He's going to be living in the apartment until we get married, blah, 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 blah. And just like unashamed talk, like talking about that in a way that you're unashamed about it. And I, I, I've like seen it in so many, it's been like so interesting. Yeah. I don't know if you've noticed this in the last oh, 48 yeah. hours, how many people have just been like, huh, my dental hygienist today, you know, <laughs> yeah. just like, really, you know, and it's just like a way of, of living your life in a different way, um, showing that it's possible showing that there are people living these things out even today. Um, and I think it starts to get people thinking about it, you know? Right. And if it helps change one person's heart, bring one person closer to God, is it worth $4,000 in rent? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And it's, yeah, this, I'm trying not to get too worked up about this because I, I really think that a lot of times what we're talking about, just like being bold in your faith. I'm not saying that people are cowards if they don't do it, but it is a, it is a, an act of cowardice to not. Mm-hmm. right to like be with somebody and they ask you like what you did over the weekend you know they need to hear that you went to mass and you don't share that mm-hmm. when you can share things like you're living separately or you're not doing you know what I mean like mm-hmm. to just bring a rosary into your office at work like I remember doing that in the army that kind of goes into our next question about like how do you bring your faith into your career if it's not directly in ministry and mm-hmm. um but before getting too much into the work thing I want to talk about like being judgmental I think we have to be aware of like who do you often judge the most right I used to say this in, in black and white, like me, when I was writing and talking about that a lot and racism is like, uh, in my first letter, I asked the question of who makes you the most uncomfortable? Mm. Could be the person with tattoos on their head, could be the person with same-sex attraction, could be the man that dresses like a woman, could be a black person, could be an Asian person, could be a man, could be a woman, it, it could be anybody, right? An elderly person could be a handicapped person, could be a mentally handicapped person. Um, like, who do you, who do you, are you prone to judge the most? And for me, I know that I'm most prone to judge people who are extreme leftists or especially people who are Catholics or Christians that are very lukewarm or not living there. Like people you talked about who will go and say that I'm Catholic and don't want to live it at all. I'm like, just like revelation says, like, just be hot or cold, bro. Like, yeah. you know, I always say like your faith is kind of like coffee, right? Like it's worse when it's lukewarm. Like you either want iced coffee or hot coffee. Nobody says, yo, give me that shit room temp. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like nobody, nobody asked for that. Nobody asked for it. It's awful. And so like, that's how people are when they're out here trying to be Catholic and just super lukewarm. It's like, bro, just like, don't even claim that. Just be like, I used to be, I'll take that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to yeah. be mad at you. I'm not going to judge you. Like you can just say whatever you want. I used to be Catholic. Cool. You know what I mean? I might ask you like, just out of curiosity, like what, what fell away? Or if you want to talk about that, we can, mm. but it don't give me this. I'm Catholic too. And then be a scrub. I, I mean, it just drives me nuts. And we're obviously all growing and we're all, but I think we have too much patience with ourselves sometimes about how to live out our faith um, and how to be bold in that. And especially when it comes to work in a career that's not in ministry, but it's such a good place to be like, this is my ministry mm-hmm. in a sense, right? I was talking with your sister about this earlier of like, if, especially if you don't have a ministry job, which is perfectly fine, right? Like a lot of people don't, and we need people to not have yeah. ministry jobs, right? Like, Amen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it just, it, it would be impossible. Like the church wouldn't operate if we didn't have people who were making big money and just any money or just like out in the world, right? Like 
you're the you're in a great place for evangelization. But a lot of times when you're not in ministry, we still don't view that as our work as ministry, mm-hmm. right? And like St. Joseph is such a great person to help form us in that, to see our work as prayer. And we have to have, we have to be careful with this balance of just by my actions, people will be evangelized, right? Mm-hmm. Like sometimes you gotta be like, bro, you're not that holy, mm-hmm. right? Like I know you think that you're just walking around with like this radiant light and like everybody notices, but sometimes you might have to use some words, right? Like saints did that, right? Like they mm-hmm. called people out, big officials, people that they knew, whatever, like St. Nicholas going around slapping heretics, you know, like not saying you got to pull out the backhand on them, but I do think that we have to be ready to like occasionally, like you said, Crow, to share the Catholic perspectives amongst Protestants, right? And we just had this conversation with this dude who was giving us the tour around around my apartment, yeah, yeah, our future home together, the place I'm going to move into soon. Uh, The other day, he was kind of like hit us with, I've been told this a thousand times, where, you know, Protestants, Catholics is like, yeah, you know, it's all basically like different structures or whatever, but it's all the same. I've been told that many, many times. And it wasn't until I was like 25 that I finally started being like, it's not, it's not. you know, but I didn't do that with a stranger who I was just walking with. Yeah. He bit his tongue. Right. Like, cause it's, not, it's just not necessary. I mean, no, I really didn't even no, have to. I'm just kind of yeah. like, yeah, yeah. I'm just kind of like, I, I'll just say, okay. You know, <laughs> I'm just like, oh, all right. You know? And then I would like change the subject or whatever. Or ask a different question about their church or whatever it is. Yeah. But I, if I have friends, people who I know, people who I've hung out with a couple of times, who say something like that? No, and I'm like, no, it's not. Do you like do, do you have like do you know like genuinely not like you're an idiot, but like do you know some of the differences? Because mm-hmm. I, I mean, I could share them with you. Because I and I have a, the blessing of I used to be a Protestant. You know what I mean? So like I know I switched right, mm-hmm. but I think still if you're just educated on the different denominations, which goes back to what you said about being prepared, is if you can be educated a little bit on some of the main ones, right? Non-denoms, Lutherans, Methodists, Baptists, right? Like you can have a general idea of some of the differences, it's a huge game. And you can, I mean, Google that. And there's charts mm-hmm. that have like one sentence line on different beliefs on different things mm-hmm. when they were founded, who started them, all that stuff. But I think if you can have that, then you can be prepared for when somebody says something like that. And you can actually be bold to be like, let me educate you on why that's not true. Mm-hmm. And why do I want to educate them? Not to be right, not to make them feel like a jackass. I want to educate them because I want them to go to confession and experience that. I want them to receive communion and receive the Eucharist. Right. Like I want them to be in full communion of the church because I believe this. I'm not just like playing games out here. And so that's the thing that's dangerous for individuals who aren't bold about their faith is like, you just don't really believe this. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. And I honestly feel bad for you. Like, I I know I said it was cowardice earlier, but I also think it's like a lack of formation and a lack of depth in their faith. And it's just like, you're just not on fire. Like, you're just not about this. And that's okay. But just understand, like, you're not actually in the game if you're not ever evangelizing. Mm -hmm. Like, I think if I could have like one main message in my life, it's just that if you're not evangelizing, you're not a Catholic. And if you're not bold in your faith, you're not a Catholic, especially now in 2021 America. Like if you're just out here going to mass quietly on Sunday, not saying anything to anybody, you haven't invited anybody to mass in 18 years or whatever, you know what I mean? Or in your whole life, like you're just not doing it. If you're not evangelizing, sharing your faith and being an example, being bold that the people around you don't know that you're pro-life, don't know that you have these stances on things that are important. You're, you're just not, you're not in the game. You're really, you know, uh, I mean, Taylor Marshall's kind of off the deep end in certain ways, but I think that like, he often uses the quote, like, if you're not doing these certain things, you're not on the team. He sets the bar pretty high on that, but I still think we do have to have like a, a bar that's like, if you're not doing these things, you're not on the team. If you're not going to confession multiple times a year, right? If you're not, uh, you know, praying every day, if you're not going to mass, obviously every Sunday, striving to go to daily mass when you can, if you're not learning about the faith and especially if you're not sharing the faith, you're just not really on the team. You're just wearing a jersey at home, watching the game, and thinking you're on the team. Dang. Naps. Ooh. 
yeah so anyways i try not to get worked up there this is what nathan's most passionate about yeah it's up there man it's like top three uh so bringing your faith into your career um i'll touch on that just real quick so what, what i did when i was in the army a lot was just like i said be simple with what i did with trying to go to daily mass once a week and letting people know that i was doing that um obviously letting people know i was going on sunday like you shared crow that's a great way to like evangelize on planes and stuff like that too but uh, just kept a rosary in my office or would keep like a little, like we had like little army Bibles and stuff like that. We keep that off to the side. Another thing I did was like in my downtime, I did this uh, in multiple places, but especially in the army, which is I was reading. And when you're reading, it's annoying because people will come up and ask you what you're reading. But if you're reading something that's good and helpful for them, like you can share that. And if people ask you something like that, like the best way to evangelize and the easiest way to be bold in your faith is when somebody asks you a question about it, right? Like it's annoying when you're the one that's come out and be like, can I tell you why I pray the rosary? And it's like, hell no, like get away from me. You know what I mean? Like you're weird. But if somebody comes up to me, it's just like, what is like, what, you know what I mean? Or just ask about that. Oh, you're Catholic or whatever. Like, yeah, you know, the rosary is a big part of my life or, you know, like it's easy when somebody asks you about it, mm-hmm. they're open to it mm-hmm. and they want to learn and you can have great conversations, but it's weird when you just like try to shove it down people's throat. And that's what everybody thinks that we do. Those of us who are bold, but it's like, no, you have the promptings because we all know this, right? Like we all have had the experience of having promptings of the Holy spirit to say something and not doing it. Yeah. And then people who don't act on it and are being cowards will try to be like, oh, I'm just being prudent. And I'm just like, I'm so glad I'm not one of these loud mouth cats to try to <laughs> show my faith on other people. And it's like, no, you're being weak. You're just yeah. trying to cover that up. You're trying to cover a vice with virtue and it's just not working. So stop Oof. it. Anyways, let's lighten it up a little bit. Okay. Let's go with what are some of your favorite ways to pray? <laughs> We do. I'm not going to speak on the work. Oh, yeah, I'm oh, the one oh, person that like works in the public yeah, world. I was gonna ask that. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. <laughs> yes. Um, no, I'm I did just want to talk. I just want to talk a little <laughs> bit because I've actually, this is something that I've been struggling with, especially mm-hmm. with like Pride Month. Like my company posted a photo today to like celebrate. Really? And it was, it's really difficult because um, we are a secular company. It's like hard to like talk about your work. I'm like trying to be distant, but like also be honest. Um, we're a secular company. So like, obviously you have to like, you're not going to like post Catholic teaching online. Um, but I do something that was like really beautiful that I do have the opportunity of working with some Catholic clients. And one of them is a lawyer and he is just so funny. He started joking around of like, let's start trying to like nonchalantly push some like Catholic teaching in our LinkedIn posts. And it's like, I'm really? telling you, like he's a legal recruiter. He's like trying to find people to get new jobs, like nothing to do with the faith. Yeah. Um, but he like genuinely wants to be able to like bring the faith to people through his work and through this approach of like holistic living. Mm-hmm. Um, seeking excellence. I need to interview. Seeking him. excellence. He's awesome. I'll give you his contact info. He's, you guys would get along well. He's a <laughs> big Trump fan. <laughs> oh, nice, nice, nice. Um, but just like going through work things like that of like when conversations come up with coworkers and it's like things that you don't agree with or they're trying to push like the liberal agenda for like just like different marketing campaigns or things like that. How do you stand up and say no to people that are in charge of you and that balance of like being respectful, but then also like, what is your obligation to the faith? Um, And I think that's kind of just like a challenge that a lot of people don't talk about or don't really know how to handle. And I'm certainly still learning, but I think it comes to like 
personally, like, what are you representing? And I think that's something like I always really try to come back to of like, I, my identity is not my work. It's not my job. It's like first and foremost in God and that I'm a Catholic. And so I always want people to know that about me individually, instead of what I do. Um, I don't really know where I'm going with this. Cause I feel like I'm definitely still in the midst of it. You're hilarious. Um, though. That yeah, is hard. yeah, definitely. But I think on just like a more like low key level, maybe more like practical, um, with coworkers of like people that maybe you don't agree with. I had a situation where I met up with a coworker, you know, didn't really know where they stand on anything. I mean, I'm from like, I'm in DC, like it's really up in the air. Like conservatives are very limited. Um, and they just asked me a simple question about kind of like current events, what's going on. And I, chose to answer honestly. And I was like terrified. We're at a happy hour. I'm like, this could end really badly. And she responded in like a really positive way and agreed. And just wow. like to see how our relationship has changed since that moment of just honesty. Um, and it could, it could, she could have responded differently. Maybe she could have disagreed, but I think that right. boldness, like you're talking about Nathan is so important. Yeah. Because it's an it's always an invitation for other people to be open and honest, and especially Catholics, conservatives, whatever kind of like the non popular ideas right now, the non woke culture. Like, it's hard to be honest and to stand up. But I think so many people are hiding that you think it's just you, yeah. Um, and so not being afraid yeah. to say those things and allow other people the space and the platform to do so, especially in work. Um, yes. And some of those relationships that you don't have as close of understanding of like who they are or their personal beliefs and morals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've been so shook at how many like conservatives like come to me, especially on social media. Yeah. Like, a lot of social, like a lot of people through social media, but people that I knew growing up that I was just like shocked sometimes. I'm just like, you're a conservative, really? It's crazy, but it's a lot of fun. But I think, yeah, when you're bold like that, you really do open it up for people to kind of get to know you better. But I think one thing that was really beautiful in your answer there is just like, the need to try and fail. Like mm-hmm. we're so afraid of failure all the time that we're like, I'm just going to not do it mm-hmm. because I don't want to make a mess. I don't want to push people away or whatever. And it's like, it's like you're, you're, if you're trying, like the Lord will form you, right? Like if you're praying and discerning and allowing yourself to understand when the Holy spirit is prompting you to say something, cause that's my first instinct mm-hmm. is to pray. And like with the guy the other day that was giving us the apartment tour, like, I know, I don't even really need to like deeply pray. I'm just like, I know Lord, that this is like not the moment, right? <laughs> like, like you formed me. I've had enough of these situations where it's like, okay, this is not the time. Yeah. But in other times it's like, okay, I'll say a quick prayer and be like, Lord, should, like, is it go time? Like, what do you want to do here? You know? And if you're praying and stuff and you're formed and you're close to the Lord, which, you know, not all of us are perfect at, and I've been closer and further away in my life at different times, but generally I have an idea of like, okay, it's time to say something, you know? And we have to be willing to do that. Yeah, I think that's key is that discernment of like situations. So going back to like my (laughs) unending story about like work situations, if things come up like that, like I think just what is the time and place to address those situations or maybe speak up and say something that you don't feel comfortable with. Yeah, but um, I think using discernment there is like a really, a really good point. For sure. So since you mentioned Trump in that last answer, I'm actually going to shift our next question to the one about 2024. So we're going from from an easy one to uh, is this hard? That's, I don't know. <laughs> oh, well, let's add, let's start with you. Let's start with, with you, Emily. Then, so. No, go. Emily for it. likes to avoid the controversial topic. So, <laughs> who would you like to see running in 2024? <laughs> I know my answer to this. We just talked about this. Did we? Yeah. All the people, please. Santas. 
Yeah, Ron yes. DeSantis. Yeah. I'm Ron DeSantis yes. all day. Here's my, oh my controversial gosh, statement is that I am not Team Trump. Yeah. I don't I think personally, he'll win. I personally don't I think, think he's bad. the answer. Yeah. Yeah. I've never been a crazy, crazy Trump guy. I voted for him, obviously, and, and all of that stuff and like support him as far as I feel like I can. But I just feel like conservatives to a certain extent. I think conservatives oh, make yeah. a lot of mistakes, mm-hmm. especially as a black man, especially in the way they approach the black community and minorities in general or lack thereof, you know what I mean? Or fail to do that at all. Um, but I think one of the things that they make a mistake in is like conceding certain things that are like conservative principles for the sake of like popularity or trying to like win back the woke. Mm. Caitlyn Jenner is a great example of that. Oh my goodness. Right? Like how we're going to back this. And it's like, what is wrong with you for like being like, oh yeah, this is, this is the answer, right? Like we're going to, now we're going to support it. And it's like, are you mad man? Like, no. That is that is the dumbest idea, yeah. but um, I think Trump would be that in twenty twenty four. It's like my man's getting old. Like hit hit the campaign trail and like fire your people up about whoever it's gonna be. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like for this other person, but yeah, I think somebody definitely. like Ron DeSantis. I can never remember the governor of South Dakota's name. Chrissy Noem. I'd love to see her as a VP mm-hmm. potentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that could be a fire duo. Um, but Ron is just my guy. I think he's a virtuous, strong man who could like have the same kind of pushback as djt without the controversy and like the utter lack like the other tone deafness that president Absolutely. Trump has, amen which we just like it just didn't help especially and they towards seem to the have end. a good relationship too so he i could see yeah him yeah. actually endorsing him but yeah. there's too many people in my mind for my comfort that think that he should be the vp yeah, yeah. it's just like that's no. not the answer they think trump should be the vp no they no, think that Santa's. ron should be oh, well. VP, and yeah. it's like bro let that dream die like i understand I understand. Like, I know there's a lot of QAnon people out there who are like, <laughs> Trump's going to come back in 2022. This is all part of the plan. Like, bro, like, call it. You know what I mean? Like, you need to just go ahead, <laughs> hang it up because it ain't happening. You know what I'm saying? You need to go ahead and just, yeah, put that MAGA hat. You can keep it. You know what I mean? Keep that keepsake. Yeah, absolutely. But, but uh, really yeah, you know what? Go ahead and let that be. It's more of, it's more of um, a state of mind now, you know? exactly exactly Uh, i'm trying to think what should we go into next uh this would be this would be a fun one so somebody (laughs) asked me how i'm feeling about moving to the blue state of colorado (laughs) which i think is fun because you basically did the same thing you know uh, and moving to dc yeah Yeah, except i'm not a state yet true yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. key word there (laughs) key word there wow that's terrifying so (laughs) um yeah legit um how did you feel about it like what was it was it a, i mean it had to be a huge shift from indiana i come from yes. all kinds of different Cultural states shift. from swing states to red states i don't think i ever lived in like a pure like one that's as blue as this but pa is kind of going that way yeah. which is where i grew up so yeah that's true but what was it like was it a pretty big it was especially moving here during covid mm-hmm. in an election year mm-hmm. <laughs> i moved to dc in september and so i that's really right. saw everything from ACB to RBG to the election. (laughs) ACB brings me so much joy. She is like my hope for America. We need her to start doing some work though. Yeah. You're not kidding. (laughs) Make some stuff happen. Yes. Um, But it was, it was really tough in all honesty. It was like the whole mask thing, like Mm -hmm. just like escalated and COVID escalated in my mind and like in my heart, seriously, deep down, of I feel like I went through a period of really uncharitableness of like I would just oh, get yeah. angry at people 
Um, and people just are not nice here. Sorry if people are like from DC that are listening to this, but Midwest they just, nice. oh, it's the Northeast. There's no Midwest nice. It, no, no, no. Um, but I do think the perk of it is that like the conservative people stick together, which is something mm. that I really, like, I really admire. Um, because in Indiana, it's more so like, I would say like the liberal people are the people that have to keep quiet or people just don't talk about it because they just assume you're conservative Mm -hmm. where in DC has been, um, like really challenging, but a good challenge in the sense that people like know their stuff here and they're either working in politics or they really take an interest in, I've never been like a huge political junkie, but I've been kind of forced into it just with conversations here. And I recognize how important it is to just be informed, um, that's surprising to hear that you have not been I know honestly I got started in 2016 I was a freshman mm-hmm. in college when Trump ran I got really into it but that, that was, was when it began, I, huh? I had my stint and then it kind of plateaued <laughs> and then moved to DC again at the the height of it mm-hmm. so Dang. that's interesting maybe I'll, I'll make an appearance in politics one day there you go I'll Me be and Emily <laughs> oh okay hey. Yeah, forget the black vote, huh? <laughs> First man. You're right. Then you're man. right. Wow, that, that does not <laughs> make me like that. Um, <laughs> no, it sounds great. I can't imagine that actually. Uh, yeah, that dynamic between you, you and me. First man. Yeah, that would not that would not go well. Look at his face. <laughs> it's like never, not the answer. Say that again. <laughs> it's not the answer. Uh for me, my opinion on moving to a blue state is that we're hoping to leap. <laughs> That's probably <laughs> my first response. Is that like if things go crazy, like Texas, yeah. here we come, or yeah. wherever it might be. Like, Florida, uh, hello. Yeah, legit. So if things That's get too, thing. too wild, then, then yeah, we would have to bounce if there's like crackdowns on homeschooling or religious liberty and things yeah. like that, which I mean, pray to God, let's hope that it doesn't happen. But if it does, then we'd go to someplace that was a little bit stronger, I think. Mm-hmm. But it was obvious we were supposed to come here yeah. at this point, like because of a lot of different things that happen and the timing of different things and our prayers and whatnot. And there's a lot of people who take the approach of like, the only way to win it back or any of those states. To be present. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's some places who are super far gone, but maybe some places that aren't. And I don't, I don't know, uh, you know, where Colorado is on that, that spectrum. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody knows where anybody for sure is on that spectrum, but um, yeah, hopefully we can affect some positive change. I know that Denver is definitely a Catholic stronghold. Yeah. There's a lot of random like Catholic and then there's, there's some conservative stuff yeah. going on here too. Yeah, for sure. The Christian so, yeah. So there's hope, but I think that, it's definitely not something that I'm excited about the aspect of like the politics of Denver. And I've talked to people who have left Denver because of the politics. Um, but I'm interested to see what it's like and, and see how we like it out here. But mm-hmm. I definitely say that Colorado's on a test run. If it gets crazier than, <laughs> than we are uh, willing to bounce if we have to. So um, this is one I know Crow that you're passionate about um, and have talked about before on your podcast is, how does one make good Catholic friends your age if you're in a non-religious area? So this is another one you kind of just alluded to, but you didn't really talk about how you did it. So how did you start mm-hmm. to make Catholic friends when you were there, mm-hmm. knowing that you needed them? Goodness. Well, first and foremost, I got to give credit to my sister because I moved in with her and she was just a great support. Um, but she had a lot of non-Catholic friends that I just did not really enjoy. Um, that I just thought didn't make good decisions that weren't really just like adding any value to her life or to my life once I moved out here and like started hanging out with them. And so we made it a point together to really kind of step out of our comfort zone. I'm way more extroverted than she is. She's very Mm -hmm. introverted, which I think made it harder for her to find those Catholic friends in those couple of years that she was out here. 
So I think this is good perspective for like both extroverted and introverted people. Um, but getting involved, which was hard because it was COVID. Um, thankfully now things are opening up a little bit more, but it wasn't like I had a young adult group to go to. There weren't any Bible studies. Like I would go to mass on Sunday and like hope that someone would say hi to me. Um, and even in DC, it's like, you don't really know what you're getting with the Catholic crowd. Cause there's a lot of Catholics out here that have very opposing views. I'm so sure. that's really difficult as well, because you got to be careful. DC area Catholics. Facebook oh my group. gosh. No joke. If you want some entertainment, oh, join yeah, that go Facebook into comments. group. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> Holy cow. I have a blast um, though. No joke. <laughs> Happy to be there. <laughs> Why is he in there? <laughs> There's Just not a good answer. The pot sometimes. <laughs> the pot. Yeah, you know what I mean? I'm in Chicago, DC, Denver, all over the place. Cincinnati. Hit me up. Hit me up in the DC area Catholics. <laughs> Check out my controversy. Anyways, it's back. been a while. We'll start, we'll start a thread yeah. tonight. Yeah. Start a thread. yeah, we'll start a thread. We'll kick it off with some, some a little. If you're listening to this podcast, go comment on the thread yeah, right now. Yeah, we could like, start the question. Throw out get... one of these questions. Hell yeah, we'll do it. <laughs> Anyways, um, keep going. But making friends. So, in all honesty, since in person was hard, I resulted to online, hmm. which praise God for a really strong Catholic online community. I mean, why we're sitting here recording this podcast right now Legit. is because of it. All three of us. <laughs> yeah. Um, but with that comes like moving relationships offline. Like, I think that's always like the best advice, dating relationships, in-person relationships yes. and being intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really hard in DC, like to adjust to one, just like the work schedule and how do you make friendships with like a nine to five job when you only have the evenings and you're tired, mm-hmm. um, and just like want to be alone. And also when people live so far apart. And so just intentionality, I think when you're looking for good Catholic community is it takes a little bit of time to get to know someone and maybe get past those uncomfortable parts and like really getting to see who they are and what you have in common. Um, And so a good rule of thumb that I think is, is like the first time you meet someone, if it went seemingly well, maybe it wasn't perfect. Maybe it was a little awkward. Maybe you're like, I'm not really sure. Schedule your next outing while you're together Mm. and usually make that outing like something that you're already doing. Um, I was like CEO of always booking up my schedule too much with like trying to do so many different things with different people and what saved my life was learning to invite people into the things I was already doing. Yeah. And so if you want to build intentional community, um, that's also lasting, bring them into the things that you're already, already have going on or that already interest you. And so I think that's a great way. Um, and just putting yourself out there, like introducing yourself to people after church. I joined a gym um, yes, because they finally saying. stopped the mask mandate. So I decided I will now give them money since I don't have to work out and wear a mask. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, so watch out, guys. I'm coming for your fitness. Hey. <laughs> I love but, it. Well. Team Swole over here. <laughs> Emily's flexing. Flex what? No, but she's going to be the cover, Emily flexing. <laughs> Just kidding. You're so strong, honey. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> We're getting there. You're so strong. Thank you. Um, but That's at a gym, me. even like those places where you're like, these may not be like the people that I like want to build my life with, you know, and like do everything with, like even introducing mm-hmm. people, introducing myself to people at the gym. Like I've made a few acquaintances that you don't know, like you can hang out with them, get to know them, meet their friends. Like I think that's all what it's about is like being like, right. put yourself out there, 
meet people, meet the people they hang out with. And if it's not them, then maybe it's someone that they already know in their circle. Yeah. I think you see on social media a lot of times today where people will make like the jokes, the introvert jokes of like people invite me to stuff and I just like rather stay home. And then they wonder why they're lonely. And like when you move to a new place, like you have to take some else, right? Like Mm -hmm. you talked about being tired from a long day Mm -hmm. and maybe you have a long commute home, but somebody invited me to go play golf or they invited me to the gym or whatever it is. Like sometimes you got to just do it, right? You got to go to the happy hour because like you're trying to meet people and it's hard, but it's difficult. But then people want to say like, why can't I meet any guys or any girls or have any friends? And it's like, cause you don't go do anything. The other thing I think is really important is to pray for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if people ask God, but her roommate was uh, like the, one of the girls she's living with now mm-hmm. was telling us a story today about how she like really was like sobbing one night, like praying for a friend to like move to Denver with her. Right. And like, to yeah, like that night, her, like in the moment, I think like one of yeah. her best friends from childhood texted her that her and her husband were moving to Denver in two weeks. Yeah. And it was like crazy, but like God works. He doesn't want us to be lonely. Right. Yeah. And I remember doing that in the army. It was like, I need a good Catholic friend. And I was like, Lord, you got to give me at least one. I'm wild out here. You know what I mean? Like if you don't give me at least one, it's going to be crazy. And so I always had one Mm -hmm. and I had to be bold and I had to share, like we were talking about earlier, the way I met Colin, my friend who lives in Aurora here was just saying, you know, to him one day, I saw him at daily mass once from across the way. And so we were all standing a group of soldiers and I was like, uh, Hey, what'd you give up for Lent? And what are you doing for Lent? And just kind of bolting out. He was like super taken aback. I was just like, what? Like, are you Catholic? Like, what do you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I couldn't believe I was actually talking about that, you know, in yeah. formation. And I was like, yeah. I was like, yeah, I am. Like, what? So tell me, like, what are you doing for Lent? Whatever. And we had a great conversation. Hit it off. And he just helped us move the other day. Yeah. He helped, me. He helped me build my bed the other day. <laughs> he's a legend. You're Colin. Shout out to you, Colin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's great. That's Any, awesome. Anything else you want to I think to prayer that? is a big part of that. I think I've seen that time and time again of God be faithful in those ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think he acts fast because he knows, like, I mean, Genesis is not good for man to be alone, like yeah. in all aspects of that. So continue to pray. And even like, like I said, in the same sense, dating too, people are always like, if you meet someone and you're like, oh, this isn't it, you never know who they could introduce you to. Yeah. And my mom always says like, you have no business being alone or saying no to things. Like you need to put mm-hmm. yourself out there and do continually it. do so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to work on it. I think that's great. Uh, anything else you want to add to that? That mostly covered it. I, I think I have fallen into the vice sometimes of just like waiting around for things to happen and not making things happen as well, especially in relationships. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I'm really, um, I really don't want to do in, in this move, especially in, mm-hmm. in this time of creating community. You know, I want to be really intentional about it. So, For sure. Yeah. That's great. So now we'll go back to the light one that I had dabbled in earlier <laughs> of what are some of your favorite ways to pray? Which I'm interested to hear crows because I know some of yours, I know ours are very different. So ours are very different. you want to share how you kind of go into it? How I when we go to adoration and stuff. Yeah, we do like utterly different things. So yeah, this is kind of a cool question. <laughs> um let's see divine intimacy yeah i read divine intimacy every morning well so i guess my prayer routine is i wake up every morning early and make my coffee and then get back in bed with my two books divine intimacy which is kind of like a meditation book or has meditations for each day and it's um like carmelite prayer or yeah carmelite spirituality carmelite spirituality i guess in a sense I think <laughs> not that I'm saying that I'm questioning that, but, but is it like this meditations and stuff? probably only like three people will look it up and prove you wrong. Okay, so great. And then after that, I usually just pray the liturgy of the hour, like morning prayer. Yeah. Um, and so just kind of like more structured at the beginning of my day, because that helps me be really like 
just structured through the rest of my day. Right. Whoa. Sorry. And then <laughs> um, when I go to adoration, though, I'm very like, um, when I was in the culture project, my spiritual director tapped into this imagination that I have, like, I have, like a wild imagination. I'm always thinking up of like, uh, scenarios or different things like that, or thinking about things. Sometimes or, it's helpful. Sometimes, sometimes it's, it's not. helpful. Sometimes it's not. And my spiritual director in his just being so great. Very helpful in prayer though. Yeah. And in, in being so, so, so great. He, we had, that had come up in some way and he basically decided to like, drive that into beautiful spirituality and stuff and teach me how to use that for prayer. So I'm really into imaginative prayer where I just like sit in meditation and sit with whatever, I mean, if the Lord brings it up in in my mind and just kind of like imagine certain things or imagine certain situations where I'm like with our Lord or with Jesus or different things like, or Mary um, and just imagining conversations and basically bringing to them whatever through those times, bringing to them whatever's on my heart. And then usually I journal about it afterwards and just all write it down and journal through whatever I have experienced. So that's like a way I would pray, I guess. That's I kind of, yeah. What did you mean? Like when we go to adoration, I feel like I journal more than you. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Yeah, D- I journal definitely I journal more than you. Yeah. I don't do liturgy of the hours. Yeah. I don't journal and you're doing divine intimacy. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, well, sometimes I read, but usually I just like pure mental prayer when yeah, we get there really together. Yeah, he's mental prayer, yeah. And uh, we'll pray the rosary when I'm there yeah. oftentimes or with Hallow or like Divine Mercy Chaplet. Yeah. yeah. And using Hallow more often, but before I go into mine, I would, Caroline, you want to tell us a little bit about your prayer game? Yeah. It might sound a little repetitive because Emily was talking and, and I don't pray with the same it. things, but definitely like, especially changing routine mm. post-college recognize like I need that kind of structure or before, like I had, like I could walk across the street to the Adoration Chapel or make it to daily mass every day. Like all of those things that provided structure in my prayer time that leaving didn't allow for sometimes. Um, definitely fell off my game when I like just tried to do like the mental prayer and was like, oh yeah, like I'm just going to like sit here and pray in the morning or even in the evening and it just would not go well. Or I would get frustrated because I'm like, I just keep talking and I'm like, what am I what am I doing here? Or I get distracted because I'm sitting at home and just stop altogether. Um, so I really love having like something to follow along with, whether it be like a consecration book that I'm doing, or I really love when Blessed She does like their Lenten and Advent journals. Like I honestly need something like that year right. round that like I can track with and have something specific to pray about because I think I always go back to like the same prayers or like just asking like intercessory prayer. Right. Yeah. Um, but recently I've been trying to get more into scripture and so been praying through acts, um, and just reading a chapter or two in the morning and then just kind of doing like my own form of Lexio with that and then journaling about it. Um, of just like, what is it that God wants me to learn from that? And sometimes it's like, oh, okay, like this isn't much. And then sometimes it's like, oh yeah, the whole thing is amazing and like super relevant. So I think just having something to track me with, like that I I know that I can consistently go back to. Um, Gosh, I haven't been to adoration in like two or three months, which is just Mm -hmm. so sad. But I mean, I love a good like adoration night with some praise and worship and a reflection. Yeah, that's great count me in but just don't get to do that very often unfortunately that's awesome the yeah so my kind of strategy i always talk to people about like having a good warm-up 
And so I love the St. Augustine prayer where it kind of starts with like, breathing me a Holy Spirit that my thoughts may all be holy. Act me a Holy Spirit that my works too may be holy. And there's like five lines, but you can Google the rest. But I love doing that. So I do that three, I have three rounds of that, but in between each of the three. So there's two kind of like flexible things where I'll either pray like the Angelus or recite scripture that I have memorized. If I don't have like a Bible with me or I'll read a passage of scripture or whatever. Sometimes I recite like the Ranger Creed in that time or like the poem, if like there's a bunch of random things that are kind of my go-tos that kind of give my head like a, con- like a, a contemplative. Thank you. <laughs> I go out. O for one and immediately I'm yeah. getting bailed out. No, that's good. I appreciate it. Uh, good cutoff, man. So <laughs> it's not good for man to be alone. He needs a helper. Uh, so contemplative, it uh, gives me time to get contemplative spot, makes me think about my life and different things that are going on. And, and kind of depending on how I'm feeling is what I'll pray in that moment in those in-betweens. Once I have that, I kind of feel like I'm set. So it's like five to seven minutes, usually five to 10 minutes. It gets me kind of warmed up. And then I think another thing that's different with us is I definitely, I think, use my Bible a little bit more often. Mm-hmm. And um, especially if I'm praying at home, like a big getting into it with scripture guy. And we'll kind of go through almost like creating my own like mass, like the mass reading format where I don't read the mass readings of the day but we'll go back and do like an old Testament, a Psalm, and then do new Testament mm-hmm. gospel or something like that. Right. But I kind of pick, sometimes I know because I used to do it a lot in college, I can kind of go to be like, what am I kind of dealing with? You know, like, who do I want to read? Like, what do I need to kind of get into? And the danger with that is that sometimes I don't discover new stuff, but I do get deep into like some of the people that I really love in the old Testament, you know, whether that be Job or King David or Joseph. Um, and then kind of go through the Psalms that usually I go to the ones that I really like, but sometimes I'll read a random one. And then I'll usually pick like a St. Paul letter because St. Paul is my dude. So I love going through Romans or Corinthians, um, the letter of St. James, uh, Peter's. I love Peter's letters, you know, so I'll go through some of those sometimes and get into the gospel and just really kind of reflect on that. And then that'll kind of transition me into mental prayer, especially when I'm home alone, if I'm like home praying. But if I am at mass and I'll typically or if I'm at uh, adoration or just in a church, then I'll typically do my warm up and then kind of go straight into mental prayer because I usually I don't take my Bible in there with me because it's kind of big. So then I'll just go straight into mental prayer and just kind of do that. And then usually use hallow after like 10 or 15 minutes to do like divine mercy chaplet or like a readings or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and have them read the scripture to me and just kind of, you know, meditate with it that way, like Sio Divina and stuff like that. Uh, but definitely bigger in the scripture than most Catholics. I know that for sure. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, that was a great question. So I'm glad we got to go into that some. Um, I kind of want to do like, since we're kind of running, we're not really running out of time. I don't like to say that because we can do it, go as long as we want. Um, <laughs> I'm like, I'm the boss around here. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, nobody tells me how long my podcast can be. So, uh, I kind of want to do like a lightning round though, for the remaining ones. Oh gosh. And to see if we can do like one person answer each one. We don't have to necessarily rotate. So somebody gets screwed with one, but I'm thinking we'll go with the ones that we have remaining. I don't know if you saw the document up, but we'll just kind of go down the list there. I think Emily should kick us off. I'll take number three since I know everyone's terrified of that one. (laughs) And then we can all kind of crack it for whatever. We'll just kind of go through it. So let's rotate through that. And I think you're best for this. I don't know that I, I mean, I kind of know the answer, but I don't have a great explanation of it. But question is, what are your personal opinions on IVF in vitro fertilization for Catholic or for couples who cannot naturally conceive children? Yes, IVF. So I guess um, I am not the expert on this. Um, I did go through some training again with the Culture Project. Shout out to the Culture Project with our awesome Shout training. out. All the different things we talked about. Um, from from what we kind of learned and different things is that the church does not um, 
that IVF is not really in line with the church teaching, especially. I don't know if there's if they've really talked about it though specifically. No, it definitely isn't. It definitely isn't. Yeah, it's not in line with that. And so, okay, brief explanation okay, why. Yeah. Brief explanation why. Basically, it's artificial you contraception. Are, it's artificial. What? It's conception. It's artificial, artificial contraception, con- is what I said. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Well, IVF is is um. In, in a sense, the best way to kind of talk about it is like you're playing God, like you were trying to kind of control. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Makes sense. And um, you're trying to like control those things and not looking at a baby and new life as a gift from God rather than something that we're like grasping at. And I think one of the bigger things that people don't often know about is a lot of times multiple babies are conceived, right? And then they implant the babies into the woman um, but the other babies that aren't used are oftentimes just frozen on a shelf. And if we are Catholic and we believe that these babies are human beings, then like, that's just like another aspect of like, abor- you know, you just like think of all these different things that like that, that go down with that as well, that there are all these human beings that are conceived that are on, frozen and on shelves all over the world and the country um, that don't have a chance at life and maybe never will be and will be destroyed. And probably things never like that. will. Yeah, yeah, probably never will be and will be destroyed. And so- um, I think that's for me when I started learning about that more and I learned that side and especially when I've talked to other people about that side as well. That's something that a lot of people don't realize of the dangers of it. Um, like how many lives are kind of destroyed in that and, and aborted in a sense, you yeah. know, so um, it kind of feeds that I would say. Yeah, and I would say I'm sorry for my not being st- straightforward on that. I got nervous. <laughs> really? <laughs> you killed uh, me. Thank you. It was fantastic. Uh, I think the interesting part of that question is like personal opinions are oh, yeah. irrelevant. I think it's just church teaching yeah. on that. Yeah, I was thinking that, that too. It, I, was I like, mean, oh, church definitely. is against it. I mean, IVF is, yeah, it's it's not um, church approved by any means. And that's why, because or that's a big reason why. Those are the two main reasons why I should say is the artificial contraception of it, kind of playing God, like you said, and then the mm-hmm. lives are essentially aborted after that. And I don't want to be like adoption's a great option. Adoption's a great option. And I think that. that's something that, you know, that's a heavy, heavy, heavy cross that I hope we never have no to carry, you know, of not being able to conceive. And so, you know, that that's something that is is a really it's one of those tougher church teachings, especially when you're like, Oh, well, life is good. These things are good, right. but you have to look at the overarching aspects involved in that other lives are going to be probably killed in the process. In right. Sense, you know, so yeah. There's a lot to go into, but we'll skip that. My next answer is going to be really short. Does Catholic social teaching support the Green New Deal policies? This person said that they're learning about this in RCIA. The short answer is hell no. Uh, the church does not support the Green New Deal because Green New Deal is trash. Um, large part of that, it's like $92 trillion. Pretty much anything the AOC champions, you can assume that the church does not support because she is awful. So well, socialists. Yeah, yeah so, it's essentially yeah. socialism. So I think that's the thing that you have to be careful with is like, obviously, there's a lot of your Cardinal Supiches of the world, sometimes Pope Francis of the world, like like to elevate the cause for um, green energy and saving the planet up there with like, things like abortion and poverty and things like that. And like, is taking care of the planet part of our responsibility? Yes, is the church uh, eco friendly and like want to like move towards a more eco friendly way of living? Absolutely. Um, is it sin? Is it an actual sin to like actually intentionally harm the planet or even just to litter? Yes, it is. Um, and the church teaches that. But the Green New Deal has like most things that are Democrat led, most Democrat packages, uh, just like the COVID relief bill, right? Or all these other things, like they end up coming with all this other nonsense. 
and a lot of them end up funding abortion mm-hmm. and funding all these other things that also contribute to green energy, right? Um, so that's what you have to be careful with. And you really need to look up all the things that are in the Green New Deal, They're not just spending $92 trillion on nothing, right? So it's a lot of money. They want to, like the Green New Deal is about like tearing down every building in America, I'm pretty sure, and rebuilding it in like the next 30 years or something crazy and uh, banning a lot of things that would lead to what a lot of, like like AOC has, um, if she ever took an economics class, she got an F, um, but I don't think she ever took one. But if she did, she'd still fail. And that's why you have to realize why the church doesn't support things like that sometimes, because it would lead to even more poverty and even more destruction. And communism and socialism lead very much against the church um, and are very anti-Catholic specifically, but are anti-religion in general. So mm-hmm. that's why we don't support things like that. One, because they're stupid. Two, because they lead against the church. And three, because they thrust most of the world into poverty. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just like hashtag not the move. Uh, next question, which I basically answered for you, Crow, already. If you just want to read my answer, it's up to you. But what do you do when you're a devout Catholic and your spouse does not like the Catholic Church? Do you so want to tackle I that w- one? I will read your answer for sure, and then I'll. Kind I think of it, I follow. think it's the answer, but you're right. You're right. This is the only answer. It's obviously to build a time machine and go back to your rehearsal dinner, kidnap yourself to avoid the wedding. Boom. Would that but- work though? <laughs> I, I don't know. You know, if, if that works for you, if that's an option, take that. Consider it. Pray with it. Um, but like, say that you got married and you weren't a devout Catholic and then you had a conversion and now your husband mm-hmm. is not, you know? Yeah. I mean, you could still go back. But gosh, that is just really tough. And we will pray yeah. for you because I really hope to never be in that mm-hmm. situation. And that is why. Marriage and discernment is so important when you're picking out the person that you're going to spend the rest of your life with and that you align on faith. So like so many different things, you know, that you're, Values. That that's the most important thing. Shout out Nathan and Emily. <laughs> um, we agree most of the time. <laughs> on the important things always, important I'm sure. Things, yeah. yeah, I would agree with that. Amen. So but yeah, what do I you think, do? I, I think, think you like right. invite them in as much as you can. Like, you know, like praying you continue to pursue. Sure. Absolutely. You like know, legit praying. Fast. I think of St. Augustine's mom. That's what I was thinking. St. Monica. St. Monica. Thank you. Catholic and legend. just like how, I don't know, like, I think we, I feel like our generation discounts that, like how important fasting and prayer is and how powerful oh, yeah. that is. Um, I just feel like maybe we just weren't taught it a lot growing up or like really just shown the importance of it, but not underestimate that. Um, and just like continue to advocate for your family. Like, especially if you have children, like you make it a priority to bring your children to mass with you and teach yeah. them the faith. Um, even especially though maybe you your, your spouse doesn't. We're married in the church, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah, prayer and fasting, you guys had a no joke example. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like no lukewarmness. Cause that's not going to attract anybody to the faith. No um so that's great thanks for answering that crow m best yeah. practical tips for chastity and dating relationships go <laughs> practical tips um i can just like list out some practical things i guess um talking about it right like having conversations about like being bold about your views on that and what you want in the relationship um i've heard a bunch of awesome you know different things like making sure that you are always in a place where you can get caught like with there's other people around that are holding you accountable um yeah praying about praying for that and praying with each other for a chastity in your relationship is a good one um making sure to set boundaries and talk those out and different things and share like when like what is too much or different things like that um and being able to talk about that 
I'm trying to think of another thing. Assess when you fail. Mm, okay, so when yeah. you do fail, when you cross some lines or you go a little bit too far, whatever it is, like, what was it? It would be like, where did we go wrong here? Mm-hmm, yeah. You know what I mean? You start to realize, oh, every time we fail, it's at midnight. Mm-hmm. Or every time we fail, yeah, it's in this place. You, yeah. yeah. And we start to learn those things and be like, okay, yeah, you got to get out of here by 1030 on weekends or yeah. 11 on weekends, 10 o'clock on weeknights and stuff yeah. like that. Start to kind of do like your little evaluations of like what led to this. Uh, and you do that with yourself right you know what i mean yeah. when there's self-falling and stuff too yeah. or emotional falling of yeah. being like where did this begin the swappers always say like um a lot of times you you're you fall 10 steps before the actual fall right right like that you were not setting yourself up for um success a lot of times we don't do that in for our sure. in our relationships or you know or even i guess personally as well if you're struggling yeah. with different things um you know as soon as you start to like waver a little bit it's going to be even um, greater to fall and to be tempted. And That's so true. Thanks. What is the best thing a young person can do to evangelize their family and friend circle? Um, great question. So first thing that my thing with this is that you're not always supposed to evangelize your family. I think mm-hmm. we feel like this desire to, because we're close yes. to them and we love them. But the like, if there's any circumstances where you're going to convince me that truly living by your actions and not using your words is the most effective way to evangelize it is with your family Mm. like if there is a way that that is true it's with your family i think that the less close you are to somebody the more almost you have to use words Mm. right like that you have to be a little bit more bold and like vocalizing that you go to mass and vocalizing that i pray the rosary right or all these different things but if you're close to somebody like they should be able to see that a lot more through your actions right um and i think you have to as i said to the person earlier with the spouse that's not into the church you just set a bomb example, right? And you have to mm-hmm. try to live beyond reproach and you have to recognize that you're going to fail and make mistakes in that. But you try to set a great example, start living your life differently. When people in your life see that like you're happier, you're more successful, you're thriving, you're a better steward of your money, your time, your life, you're more joyful, you're more patient, you're more forgiving, then people will want to be more like that, mm-hmm. right? And the people that are close to you because they've seen you so much, you know, like I, I've had not given up on a lot of my friends and things like that, but I know that, because they saw so much of like the old me and who I was then that it's really hard now for me to come back and be like, live differently. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is why I just, one thing that I think is so important, my biggest life lessons I try to share with people on this topic is so many people are not doing things like what we're doing right now because they're too focused on always trying to save their family and friends. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of us have missions and, and things that God's assigned to us, tasks that he's assigned to us. And we don't go out and do those because I, I want to stay home in PA and try to convince my dad to convert to Catholicism. It's like, how many people have I helped on social media through the podcast, through the ministry, through my writing that would have never been reached if I was still just like so obsessed with, it's not a checklist, right? Like Jesus, I always say like, if Jesus asked, like, follow me, which is what I did with my friends when I changed and had my conversion, it was like, I don't want to live this way anymore. Do you want to like try out this Catholic stuff too? If people say no, like he went to the next town, you know, and that's exactly when he sent out the 72, when he sent out the disciples two by two, it's the exact same thing he did. He's like, if they don't accept you, like shake off your dust from your feet from that town and go on brother, <laughs> you know, like keep, keep the train moving. It's not stopping. And so too much, too many of us stop and say like, this is my mission is to convert my family. And it's like, that's probably not true. Like it might be, but that's like, I mean, Jesus himself went back to Nazareth and, and, and left saying a prophet is not welcome in his hometown because it's hard for a pimp out in, uh, in Nazareth. If you're from there, from what I hear from the scriptures, anyways, what? <laughs> It's hard out here for a pimp. It's a rap song. Um, <laughs> Crow, this one's kind of spicy, so I'm glad this one's going to you. What do you do when there's bad? Crow gets this one. 
Crow, I want you to know I have no no sympathy for you getting this question. Okay. <laughs> so what do you do with this bad leadership or even heresies coming from the clergy? Balancing that aspect of needing to respect the priesthood, but also like, should we dissent sometimes? Should we always obey? You can phone a friend. You have two um, friends. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do telephone. So I'll start it out and then we'll pass it along. I think that just because people are priests or clergy does not make them not human, that they don't also sin, that they also don't fall short um, and make or speak wrong things. I think we've even seen two people that have good intentions and how important our words are and even the way that we say it. So like when the Vatican came out originally about gay marriage and the way that they said it people were kind of like oh like the church is now accepting gay marriage or even things pope francis has said and then when they did come out i don't know the names of these actual documents but and we're like no we don't support gay marriage people are like throwing hands like what the heck like i thought we were leaning towards this um so recognizing how important our words are and like i mean that's more on like the clergy and people in leadership even like the three of us people that have like somewhat of a platform how important it is that what we're saying we're educated on and is true. Um, and we admit when we make mistakes, but as far as obedience, like we don't owe obedience to like a certain priest. Like we owe obedience to Jesus Christ and the Catholic church, like as a whole, um, and to the teachings of that. But as far as like one specific priest, like there's no, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's like nothing that says like we have to, now like priests have obedience to their bishops or like sisters have obedience to their mother superior. But as lay people, like the church is ours just as much as it is theirs. Um, and so I think just like discernment on our own is really important as well. And not just blindly following the people that are in charge. Absolutely. Amazing. That's great. Yeah. And I would just add to that, that you have to be willing to challenge authority, right? And there's mm-hmm. a tough balance. You have to know what side you err on. I generally err on the side of being too dissenting, right? Really? Like, yeah, not a big authority guy, you know, <laughs> not huge on it. And I know it's hard to imagine, uh, but not in love with it. And so Emily hears me rant about bishops and dioceses and stuff all the time. Yeah. Um, because I think that what we have to be careful with as lay people is the child sex abuse scandal and a lot of the scandals in the church existed not solely because, but largely because of the fact that lay people just let bishops and priests do whatever they wanted with no questions asked, doubted kids and other and grown men who had allegations and stuff like that because they're like, the priest would never do that. And you have to get that out of your head. You have to understand that they're human. Like you said, they're going to make mistakes. They're going to be angry sometimes. Sometimes they're going to be rude. Sometimes they're going to be dumb. Sometimes they're going to be whatever, awkward. Like they're human beings. It, we have incredible respect for the, the office of the priesthood. But understand that just like a married person, right, like a husband and wife, which also a beautiful thing, a beautiful vocation, can be a-holes or can like break that relationship, right? Uh, even the even the, what, the ones that we think are really good, priests can do the same thing. And so there absolutely comes a time where you should dissent. And when you're talking about priests, I think you just leave the parish, right? Like yeah. sometimes I was talking with Mary about this earlier too, of like sometimes we're too focused on being like, I have to stay at this parish. And like, to me, that's just not true. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I view it as like having kind of strongholds in the army, like when you're at war um, and different bases and, and things like that, right? Like different um, places that you have, you know, established a presence. And sometimes you get overrun and you got to leave, right? Like there's a point where you don't just stay and die, right? Like you don't have to like sink with the ship. Like we can, 
leave this circumstance. We can leave this situation. So sometimes I think you challenge and you present your issues and your qualms um, to the priests or to the parish, whatever. Uh, but there's definitely a time where you have to leave. You got to look out for the best of your soul and for your family eventually. But um, yeah, and try to correct and challenge when they're spreading things that are actual heresies, because that does happen every single day across the United States of America. It happens all the time in Europe. It happened three times a day in Germany. Uh, if it happened once a day here. So yeah, and twice in Ireland. So watch out for those things. But last question that we have here, discerning between focus and the culture project. This is great that it came back to you for this. <laughs> Tips and features from both mission groups. What would you say, Ann? Yeah, so I grew up around a lot of focus missionaries being in Denver. And um, so growing up, I always knew I wanted to be involved in some sort of mission like that. Um, but kind of when I got older, I, I just didn't really feel called to specifically the focus mission, I guess, of working with college students. That was the big thing for me was the age group that I was working with. Um, and so when I met the culture project and I heard that they mostly work with middle school and high school students, that was something that really attracted me to them. And that was kind of, I guess, for somebody who's discerning between the two, that's something you can look at because they do have, while they're set up similarly and there are similarities in a lot of ways, especially in like community life and living together and having that um, aspect, um, there are some big differences between the two. And so I would say the biggest two are like the age groups that you're no normally focused on. Culture Project might be some younger groups. Focus, of course, is college students. Um, and then also the culture project is pretty specific in things like theology, of the body, sexuality, right. um, the dignity of the human person. And then you also give talks usually on social media and using social media virtuously. Um, so that would be like a main focus of the culture project. Another big difference that I've seen that I experienced as well is um, in the culture project, depending on certain things, you might not have as much building relationships with the people you're talking to you definitely won't yeah you, def much. you definitely don't have as much in the as folk as focus you're using with. some maybes where there's some <laughs> definitely <laughs> you definitely don't have as much where focus is like pretty um involved like you would as a missionary would probably be like really involved in definitely would be you would definitely be involved in an like a, a smaller number of people's lives really like intentionally more and more yeah. deeply with the culture project, we would travel to different schools and parishes every single day and you'd have different groups. So yeah. every once in a while you'd come back and you'd have, you'd be with people multiple times. Um, but, and you, it, you know, there were some kids that I started to get to know. I probably would have gotten to know more had COVID not happened. Um, you know, that, that, that is something that's very different there too, is the relational aspect of it. Um, Absolutely. Which is something I struggled with, which is something that some people love, you know, that they can just kind of, that they are um, planting seeds rather than really like right. developing them, I guess. Um, but yeah, I think those are just different things there. The community life from what I know is, is fairly similar in living on a team and doing things like that. So, yeah, yeah. I think that's the biggest part that I was going to share is like the touch and go. Mm -hmm. is more like the culture project style and then with focus you're going to go deeper and like meet with people weekly and mm -hmm. try to like disciple and lead bible studies and things like Stuff that like so that, it's a yeah. much much different approach you got to figure out age group and like what kind of ministry you want to be in because there's people that are talented for each one right you, know? you have to be a little bit more creative i think in focus in your outreach at times not always like because there's a lot of like instruction manuals to a certain extent but like i feel like with culture practice like, they give you more kind of a you have a script in your talk mm -hmm, yeah and you're gonna sh like they schedule you to go give the talk yeah, right like yeah. you don't have to necessarily like meet people on campus and like figure yeah. out how you're gonna like evangelize right, to them exactly so you're kind of mm -hmm. set up more in that way um, but it definitely does have different challenges i think and then the other thing i was going to share is that i think that on like the I don't know, business side is the right word to use but focus is definitely a little bit more established 
as where culture project still has more of like Mm -hmm. a startup kind of vibe yeah you know what i mean where focus Mm -hmm. is definitely more national there and i don't know the numbers but i mean there's like thousands of missionaries i'm pretty sure as where culture project you guys had what like 50 people working there maybe oh maybe working there yeah but like 30 40 missionaries 30 yeah, 30 so it's it's so which is cool you get to know like you know yeah. everybody very deeply yeah that's both of in those have strengths and, and weaknesses. Cool, so. just like if you're working for a business right like yeah. you can say do i want to work for apple or do i want to work for a startup yeah. you know what i mean and so just think about those things and what you like and what's your style and all that stuff and the lord the lord in the end will show you the way wow that was beautiful thank you you're welcome <laughs> amazing this was a lot of different topics. And I think this is cool too, oh because my gosh, yeah. other than Nathan, I feel like Caroline and I don't talk about a lot of these topics a lot. No, um, we certainly don't, which is really <laughs> fun. So I'm glad that everybody got to see a little bit of that. And yeah, um, I touched on these on the rig. Yeah, this is Nathan. Yeah, I hope it was like a little bit more personal. Like, you know, yeah. that there's people that are still learning these things alongside you guys. And if you oh. are the Nathan Craig fields of <laughs> knowledge, then there's people wow. on your guys' level too. Yeah, literally. Like, I, I mean, struggled through most of those answers and a lot of this is stuff that you wrestle with and stuff that you have to go I mean above all anything we talked about go and study it and learn more about it especially if it's something that's that's like bugging you and you want to be able to talk about more you want to talk about the faith um in the context of faith more like go study it go learn more about it and yeah yeah it's something that's so interesting too and I think that one thing that I want to point out too is just like uh, just in you guys sharing that, you know, and this isn't like a criticism of you, Emily, but just like M has a theology degree, you know what <laughs> I mean, from Benedictine. And I think you know a lot, like, I mean, you know, substantially more about like deeper things than I do. And I don't think I know more about these things than you do, but I just want to encourage people that without a theology degree, mm-hmm. like the reason why I have so many thoughts on like the same sex attraction or some of these other things is like, I read about them a lot. Like I read a lot mm-hmm. of books and listens to a lot of podcasts and watch a lot of YouTube videos because I've always been kind of a little bit more focused on what I call like practical evangelization. And there's a ton of beauty and a ton of usage for both. But I think if you can only do one, right? Like answer some of these questions when you're talking about these things, if like, these are the things people are passionate about. How do I evangelize family and friends? How do I share my faith? Like getting the answers to those questions are what's going to make you bold in sharing them, right? So when somebody asks me about same-sex attraction, or about contraception, or about why we pray to Mary, or any of those things. Like, I almost feel like I have a recorded, like, two-minute response that I just press play in my mind and can answer it. You know what I mean? And it's just from doing it a lot, Mm -hmm. and talking to Protestants, and sharing my faith. So, I think you have to read, study up, and be ready to answer those tough questions. But hot diggity dog, Crow, this has been a blast and a half. Thank you so much for your time. Great to see you. You know, we love spending time with you. And so we're super excited to host you. We're super excited to have you at our wedding in Denver, taking <laughs> pics with the groomsmen. But then also, <laughs> once we're married, to have you sleep over at our house. So that is a, a, huge a dream. bucket list dream for us. I cannot wait. <laughs> Adding it to my bucket list. I didn't even know it's on there, but it definitely is on there now. Amen. Yeah, it's what you didn't know you needed. I feel that for sure. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. Thanks for listening. I want to encourage you, as always, to go check out our newsletter. Sign up at thosewhoseek.org. We have great content coming out there every week. Um, and you can check out our website there at those who seek.org as well. Follow us at seeking365. Uh, you can follow Seeking Excellence on Instagram at that. And then you can follow Emily Marie Harpole and Caroline Rose Owens on Instagram as well. And if you really want to get into the spicy topics, you can go follow me at ncrank23 as well, where I ran about this stuff on the regular. So thank you, Crow. Thanks, Emily. You guys are thank awesome. You. You are awesome. We'll be doing this again soon.